For centuries, they have been hiding in the rubble of your cities. The concealed threat. The invisible terror. They can sense the rhythm of your blood. Hear clouds pass overhead. See where you are blind. A force so deadly, it will tear the screen from your throat. Wherever you are, they are. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening to Halloween Horror Month here on Kirby's Kids. We have two fantastic selections for you. The first is our comic book character of the month, and it is a howling good time with Werewolf by Night, Volume 1. And then our graphic novel of the month is John Constantine Hellblazer, Volume 5. No better way to get us set up for these reads than to have a dramatic reading of the introductions to both of these fine works. So first up is Werewolf by Night. You are holding a truly unique volume in your hands. Never had there been a comic series about a werewolf character before Werewolf by Night came along in the early 1970s. Hard to believe, but it's true. Trust me, as usual, Marvel was ahead of the pack, in this case, the Wolf Pack. Former editor-in-chief and all-around creative honcho Roy Thomas came up with the idea originally titled I, Werewolf. During the 70s, Marvel was trying out a number of series featuring a grab bag of creatures of the night, including Tomb of Dracula and The Monster of Frankenstein. There were also a number of Marvel black and white magazines devoted to the genre, including Dracula Lives and Vampire Tales. The Marvel foray into horror proceeded at a rapid clip. And it was no coincidence all these terror titles were popping up like corpses at a zombie reunion. The Comics Code Authority established to police the material in the medium had previously forbidden vampires, werewolves, and the walking dead from appearing. At the beginning of the decade, publishers revised the code, and the aforementioned fiends were now fair game for inclusion. About time. Roy plotted the first story and then turned over the scripting chores to one Jerry Conway, who remained with the title on and off for a year or better. The Jack Russell werewolf protagonist had a four-issue tryout in Marvel Spotlight before graduating to his own book, which proved to be a howling success, if you'll excuse the joke. One of the reasons for the book's popularity was the consistency of the artwork Mike Plug came aboard with the werewolf's first appearance in Spotlight and stayed on consistently for the first 16 issues. Those pencilers who filled in for him were of a high caliber, Werner Roth, Gil Kane, and Tom Sutton. Plug cut his artistic teeth on this series, even contributing some plot points to Roy's story. It was a lucky break for both Marvel and Mike, when he showed up one day with samples of his art and was immediately assigned the title. The dark, shadowy, Eisner-esque renderings, the bizarre appearance of the characters, all contributed to giving Werewolf by Night a startling original look. I was among those Marvelites instantly captivated by the Plug's magic, both on this 
series and on The Monster of Frankenstein, which, he also illustrated, might created a richly textured world for the reader to fall into so aptly conveyed a sense of menace and grim foreboding. This werewolf was a lean, mean, killing machine with gleaming incisors straight out of a nightmare. Misanthropic characters prowled the blue panels, shambling things that would be at home in H.P. Lovecraft's Dunwich or Innsmouth. And, as you'll see, his penciling only improves as the issue progresses. Of course, few comic series can succeed with just brilliant visuals, and that brings us to the fine scripting of Jerry Conway, who did so much to establish the weird world young Jack Russell inhabited. It was Jerry, with his first-person narration, who took us inside Jack's tortured psyche as he strove valiantly to deal with this awful inherited curse that turned him into a ravenous beast on nights of the full moon. Jerry added to Marvel lore with his creation of the dreaded Darkhold Tome. It is a series of mystical scrolls gathered over the centuries into one vile volume. It's a book of sins, if you will, that had visited the curse of lycanthropy on innocent Jack Russell. Many of you are probably aware that the Darkhold has become a literary touchstone in the Marvel Universe, akin to the position occupied by Doctor Strange's Book of Vashanti. So much is malign and evil is contained in those time-worn pages, including the means for summoning demonic entities of immense power. If I recall correctly, Jerry himself has brought the dark hole back into play in his work on Carnage just this year. While Russell's world was generally self-contained, there were a few memorable crossovers with the outlying Marvel Universe. One in particular is collected here, and it involves the werewolf meeting Count Dracula himself. Marv Wolfman had made Tome of Dracula a must-read for horror fans. It stands today as a classic of its kind. I was ecstatic knowing that two of my favorite horror creatures would soon clash. Marv scripted both parts of the story, so the transition from one book to the other was seamless. It was an enormous thrill to see Gene Collan and Mike Plug, both men brilliant at creating a moody atmosphere with their work, taking a crack at each other's characters. This story alone makes the volume you are holding worth the price of admission. Vampires and werewolves, I love them both. Yet, some element of tragedy and lycanthrope possesses that transcends that of the vampire, at least in my view. The vampire is something eternally supernatural, while the werewolf is cursed to return to his human form, aware to some extent of the horrors he committed the night before. The vampire merely returns to his resting place to sleep the day away, sated on the blood of its victim with no feelings of guilt or revulsion. The werewolf is the beast inside us, restrained only by our better natures. He holds a mirror up to humanity that says you can keep the id in check only for so long, and then it will burst to the surface with malevolent consequences. We are all Jack Russells, straining to keep the beast at bay, lest the world see past the placid face we present to society to glimpse the slavering monster within. We may not be cursed as Jack is to physically transform into a creature of the wild, yet when someone is guilty of road rage or when we watch a prize fight and shriek for blood from the combatants, we're displaying our inner werewolf, our primitive, 
bestial self is alive and well. We must accept it as part of human nature, never to be destroyed, only hidden. I was such a huge fan of the Werewolf by Night series that when the chance arose to take up the saga of Jack Russell myself as editor, I leapt at the chance. But that's a story for another time. Now, it's time for all of you to do your stuff. Read and relish these awesome excursions into the realm of the macabre, where you'll encounter everything from the seductive sorceress called Topaz to the mad vigilante, the hangman. Make sure you pursue these classics in a well-lit room and never by the light of a full moon. Enjoy. Signed, Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio spent over 35 years at Marvel, starting as an assistant editor and later writing Avengers, Thor, and many others. As editor, he oversaw books across the Marvel line, including shepherding the ultimate line into existence and editing all Stephen King's Marvel adaptations. That, folks, is your intro to Werewolf by Night. Please join us for that read. Welcome to my life. Next up is our graphic novel of the month, John Constantine, Hellblazer, Dangerous Habits. Dying ain't much of a living, boy. Clint Eastwood in The Outlaw Josie Wales. How very true that is, and yet, in a strange kind of way, it's possible to make quite a decent living off dying, as long as you can persuade someone else to do the dying so that you can make the living by exploiting it, if you see what I mean. Just ask the bloke who invented napalm, or Quentin Tarantino, who had quite a few people copying it in the brilliant Reservoir Dogs, or even me. About three years ago, I was given the job of writing DC Comics' premier horror title, Hellblazer. This was a real bit of luck, I can tell you. The success of the book had always been grounded in its adherence to real-life characters and situations, most of all in its protagonist, the one and only John Constantine. Respect is due to Alan Moore, Steve Bissett, and John Tuttleman for creating such a character, and to Jamie Delano and the many artists who worked with for maintaining the book's integrity. The canvas before me was vast. I could tell stories about ordinary people and the lives they led, their feelings for the friends and their reactions to the events that overtook them. There was a comic about an agenda without some loathsome morality at its core, but instead with a central character who made and broke his own rules as he staggered through life and could only face the consequences of his actions with the same frail human defense that are available to you or me. And not only that, but I'd be able to use horror fiction to plumb the depths of evil and explore the dark underbelly of human life, which is always a bit of a laugh. So there I was with this marvelous book to write. In fact, my arrival was just part of a changing of the guard on Hellblazer. Stuart Moore was the incoming editor, and he had planned a general overhaul, a new cover artist and logo for the outside, and my good mate Will Simpson providing the penciled art on the inside. Poor Will. All he really wanted was to draw mightily thewed 
barbarians, ray guns ripping into spaceships, beautiful women wearing next to nothing, and people who would usually say things like, you're coming with me one way or the other, Voltar. If it has to be dead, then so be it. And I gave him inner city London, cups of tea, people having nervous breakdowns, and mine's a gin and tonic, squire. I think he coped admirably. But when Will has never been anything else than a consummate professional. Anyway, we were all ready to go, and all that was required was first script, from yours truly, of course. And I was hard at it, believe me. I was straining my brain, trying to come up with a real winner. This was a big break, after all. I had to hit the ground running, come up trumps, get him right between the eyes, kick him in the balls, and I couldn't think of a bloody thing. What could I write about what seemed new and fresh and attention-grabbing? Let's not deny it. What could I possibly do to John Constantine that hadn't been done before? And then I began to think about all the stuff I mentioned back at the start of this mess. You know, living, dying. <laughs> the one course of action suddenly stood out above all others. Kill him. Turned out it worked quite nicely. I enjoyed myself immensely writing the story you're about to read and working with an editor as thoughtful as Stuart was a real joy. And it was always nice to get a phone call from Will now and again, cursing me up and down for putting too many panels on the page and agonizing over the horrible sick story he was having to draw. Dangerous habits went down pretty well with the readers, especially the rude bit at the end part of five. And there we are, a trade paperback. Thanks for buying it and helping me get one step nearer that Ferrari I've always wanted, by the way. If you're reading this in the shop, go on. Shell out the cash, eh? Your mortgage payments aren't that important, and your kid can wait till next birthday for his puppy. He'll only get bored with it after a month anyway, and then you'll have to take the poor critter down to the lake with a snack and a heavy rock. Uh, yes, sir. All things considered, I'd say this sucker did what was supposed to do. None of the folks concerned with it ended up on the street at any rate. In all seriousness, though, it's a bit odd having this story. The one that started me off reappear like this one after so much time's gone by, especially as it's miles away from the way I write Hellblazer today. I'd be interested in reading any comments you might have on it, but please remember to type your letters double-spaced and that it's not big or clever to swear. Guess that's about it. I would like to take the opportunity to clarify my position on something vis-a-vis -a, -vis a little quote at the start there. I have no intention whatsoever of denigrating Clint Eastwood or his works. See, at the time he said it, Clint, as Josie Wales, was trying to persuade some no good pistolero not to pull a gun on him and Damned if that stupid SOB didn't go ahead and do it. And old Clint had to blow him away. I think we can all learn something from that. Signed, Garthenis, Belfast, October 1993. And that, folks, is your introduction to John Constantine Hellblazer, Volume 5, Dangerous Habits. We hope you join us for that read. And for all of the celebration activities on Halloween Horror Month here on Kirby's Kids.